Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is episode... What episode is this? 84. Episode 84. My guest today is Isaac Howlett from Empathy Test. And if you have not heard Empathy Test, you should, because uh, it's very good music. So they're kind of like the midnight, you know, where there's a uh, you know, producer half and then the uh, singer-songwriter half. And Isaac is the singer-songwriter half of Empathy Test, who I am speaking with today. But we've got a lot of stuff to do in the meantime, so let's get to that. You know what I'm going to say. Beyond Sin is brought to you by downtojam.com, a free website that helps musicians around the world uh, connect, you know, based on musical compatibility. I mean, if you're a musician looking for a partner to jam with or to fill a spot in your band, you're going to want to check out this site and sign up, downtojam.com, D-O-W-N-T-O-J-A-M.com, and, uh, check it out all right you're looking for someone to help fill a spot in your band that's me trying to ad lib by just literally saying the same sentences from the ad copy but you know the bottom line is this i hope you guys are having a lovely day or making the best of it you know what i mean christmas is coming up you're doing your shopping maybe i should do some of that did you know you can follow beyond synth on twitter on soundcloud on facebook it's everywhere all right it's a phenomenon uh you can follow me at andy last on twitter That's the official Twitter account for Beyond Synth, where I post new episodes and stuff like that. You can also check out Beyond Synth SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash beyond hyphen synth, or facebook.com slash beyond.synth.podcast. And that's a cool thing to do. There's also a Patreon, which we'll talk about later, and a YouTube page now, which I always forget to talk about. There's so much stuff to talk about and not enough time. So, let's listen to a song, and then we'll get to some more business. This is a track by Duet, and that's Duet with two Ts from the Borderline album, and this track is called Borderline.
And that was Borderline by Duet. And that's a cool track. Duet's got a bunch of cool songs. Check them out. You know, I post all the links to the artists I feature on the show on the SoundCloud page. Remember, you go to there, you just click on it. You know, you're at SoundCloud, and you go to more info for the episodes, and then you just go down the list. And if you're like, hey, man, I really like that song from Duet. I want to check out their site. It's going to say Duet, and then a colon, and then underneath, a bunch of links. So I hope you're happy that I just explained to you the concept of links. Web links. And if you want uh, your tracks featured on the show, if you're like a musician artist person who makes music that you think suits the style of the show, sometimes I get people who send me stuff that is not necessarily retro electronic music or synthwave or anything, and um, I'm like, hey, it's good, but I'm not gonna play it. Because it ain't synthwave. But if uh, if you think you make stuff that would be appropriate for the show, I'd love to hear your tracks, man. So send them to me. I listen to everything that gets sent to me. And if I like it, I play it. And you can send me stuff to the Facebook page, to the Twitter, to the SoundCloud. Just send me a private message and say, uh, Hey, man, here's some tracks you might like for your show. And I'll be like, all right, now listen to them. Because I'm a cool guy. You know they're making a live-action Lion King film? There's like, this new trend now where Disney's like remaking all of its like cartoons but in live action because there's like a Beauty and the Beast coming up and they're doing Lion King and I just started thinking when are we going to get a live action Fritz the Cat because that's something that we'd all want to see actually you know what I wouldn't I just... <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was like, it'd be funny if they made it, but I don't know. You know, there's certain things that have this sort of classic appeal and people look back, you know, there's people who really like Ralph Bakshi's animation, but I just, I never got into it. Uh, you know, he did Wizards and um, Coonskin and some other stuff, and he was always doing these, you know, adult animations that were pushing the boundaries of what was acceptable and stuff like that, but I always just found them so gritty and just dirty. Like, I just, I mean, I get that's the whole point, so it's one of those things where it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah, I just couldn't do it, and and I hated when he took over the Spider-Man cartoon. Not that I was alive when it was on, but you know the uh, the original Spider-Man cartoon because everyone always thinks back to that cartoon and goes, "Oh, remember that old Spider-Man cartoon from the '60s with like the cheap animation and stuff?" And in actual fact, if you watch the first season of that show, it's not that bad, you know, for the time. I always remembered it being so cheap, but uh, it's actually the animation's okay, and it's a really colorful and like vibrant show. It gets cheap when Ralph. Bass she takes it over and that's when the show gets really weird i mean i know they had budgetary reasons they had to like extend the episode so now like spider-man is just swinging left to right for like five minutes every show just to like fill space and then he's always swinging in front of these weird watercolor backgrounds like that are like where the sky is like purple and green and stuff and spider-man is always fighting like mole people or like green people who live under the earth and stuff and he like never fights his actual villains anymore and you could totally tell that that Ralph Bakshi clearly didn't even like Spider-Man because he just wanted to do wizards and Nazis and things, and so Spider-Man kept fighting these weird things instead of... Anyway, let's listen to his song. (laughs) I'm sure that was uninteresting to everyone. Uh, This is a track by Manga Drive, and this track is called All Spark.
And that was All Spark by Manga Drive from the Refactor album. And that's some cool stuff. Got some energy. You know, we dig that. Hey, how about this? Let's, um, you want to read some junk email? All right. Here we go. This is some junk email from the Interim Assistance General Manager, Operations, Maintenance, Transportation, Harrisburg International Airport, Pennsylvania. Hello, good friend. Your abandoned package for delivery. I have very vital information to give you, but first I must have your trust before I reveal it to you, because it may cost me my job. So I need somebody that I can trust for me to be able to reveal the secret to you. I am Mr. Charles J. Colicino, Jr., Head of Luggage Baggage Storage Facilities, here at Harrisburg International Airport, Pennsylvania, USA. During my recent withheld package routine check at the airport storage vault, I discovered an abandoned shipment from a diplomat from London, and when scanned, it revealed an undisclosed sum of money in a metal trunk box weighing approximately 110 kilograms. The consignment was abandoned because the contents of the consignment was not properly declared by the consignee as money. Rather, it was declared as personal effect to avoid interrogation and also the inability of the diplomat to pay for the United States non-inspection charges which is 3700 US dollars. On my assumption, the consignment is still left in our storage house here at the Harrisburg International Airport, Pennsylvania. The details of the consignment, including your name, your email address, and the official documents from the United Nations office in Geneva are tagged on the trunk box. All right, so I think I've read an email that was very similar to this one. I think they've just swapped out some numbers because I remember commenting on this 110-kilogram box of money, which someone informed me is possible. They say, you know, if you have that much cash, it would be a very, very heavy box. What I'm confused about is how is this meant to fool anyone? I mean, I know myself. I know me. I know that I have no dealings with a diplomat from London. And certainly if a diplomat from London has a box that's probably got like millions of dollars in it, I don't see why he wouldn't have paid the like the $1,000 fee and then mislabel a box of money when you can scan it and see that there's money inside. Like what? <laughs> what is that conversation? Uh, what's in the box, sir? Uh, uh, it's, uh, well, it's definitely not money. I mean, I mean, why would you think it's money? It's not money. And then the guy just runs away. Like... <laughs> I mean, like, isn't it in his best interest that the money gets where it's going? Doesn't that seem like a complete oversight to be like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just sending like $15 million in a big box to the States, but I'm not going to pay the fees. I'm not going to let them know it's money. It's like, you know that then they're just going to hold it in the airport for you, right? Uh, What else does it say? However, to enable me confirm if you are the actual recipient of this consignment, which of course I am not, as the assistant director of the inspection unit, I will advise you to provide your current phone number and full address to enable me to cross-check if it corresponds with the address on the official documents, including the name of the nearest airport around your city. This is great. So, (laughs) it's not even near my airport. So this thing, this box, apparently has my name and my address, which he needs to confirm. Yet, for some reason, it's in an airport in Pennsylvania. You think this London diplomat... This London diplomat is fucking letting me down. 
because he sent over this giant box of money with millions of dollars. He didn't pay the consignment fee. He didn't label the box correctly. And he sent it to the wrong fucking airport. (laughs) I mean, like... Who is this guy? Please note that this consignment is supposed to have been returned to the United States Treasury Department as unclaimed delivery due to the delays in concluding the clearance processes. So as a result of this, I will not be able to receive your details on my official email account. Oh. So in order words to enable me cross-check your details, I will... <laughs> his, his English is breaking down now. He started out pretty good. Usually these things are full of a lot of grammatical errors, uh, but uh, he's, he's been good up until this point. So in order words to enable me cross-check your details, I will advise you send the required details to my private email address for quick processing and response. Once I confirm you as the actual recipient of the trunk box, I can get everything concluded within 48 hours. Lastly, be informed that the reason I have taken it upon myself to contact you personally about this abandoned consignment is because I want us to transact this business and share the money. 70% for you and 30% for me. Since the consignment has not been returned to the United States Treasury Department, after being abandoned by the diplomat. So immediately the confirmation is made, I will go ahead and pay for the United States non-inspection fee of $3,700 and arrange for the box to be delivered to your doorstep. Or I can bring it by myself to avoid any more trouble. But you have to assure me of my 30% share. I wait to hear from you urgently if you are still alive. And I... What? (laughs) Why why am I not alive in this scenario? (laughs) Will this guy think he's emailing a ghost? And I will appreciate if we can keep this deal confidential. Please get back to me via my private email. Charles Colicciono Jr. at gmx.com. GMX? What's gmx.com? Is that the new Gmail? The bottom line is this. My name and address is on a package that was sent to the wrong country, and now this guy wants 30% of my money, and he also thinks I might be dead. So... <laughs> Let's listen to another song. This is Absolute Valentine with a track called Light in the Dark from the Summoner soundtrack.
And that was Absolute Valentine with the track Light in the Dark from the Summoner soundtrack. And we talked about that a bit before, Summoner. Uh, it's a, uh, a low-budget movie that's being made right now that was uh, crowd-funded. It's got a big synthwave score you can check out. It's called The Summoner, and it stars uh, Adam McNabb, the lead singer of Lucasette, who's been on this show many times, and I always enjoy chatting with him, and I look forward to seeing how that project turns out, because I'm a, I'm a fan of Adam, and I hope the project is good, but I know one thing, the soundtrack definitely is, and you can check it out. So I was reading something funny, uh, well, it's not funny, but uh, I guess there's a word for people with a shy bladder, so I don't know if this is one of those things that uh, you deal with when, uh, you know, you go to the can, uh, this is a classy show, <laughs> You know, whenever I would go to Synthetic Sundays, and they're all talking dirty on the chat all the time, and I would always make fun of them as if my show was classier, well, uh, look at me now. Anyways, you know when you're in the can, you know some people get shy and they can't, they can't take a leak if there's somebody else there? Well, that is a thing that actually has a word, which I was unaware of. It's called periuresis. I'm probably saying that incorrectly. Periuresis, which is fear of peeing. Or shy bladder. So I was listening to a science podcast and they brought this up and I thought, well, that's funny. And then I went and typed it in to see the definition. And under the definition, it also had a quote that said, some people may find that they are unable to urinate in moving vehicles. Now, (laughs) I don't know why that makes me laugh, but is that a thing? I mean, should you want to be in a moving vehicle? Like, I I don't understand. (laughs) I couldn't get why that was even a thing. I guess, I mean, maybe they're talking about going to the bathroom on a bus. But, I mean, is that really, like, a natural state for a human anyways? You see, there's certain things, okay? There are phobias and fears of. And everyone's always saying, oh, you got to deal with your fears. You got to, you know, like, work that stuff out. And there are some that I think are justified. You know, if, if people are just like, oh, I don't like being stuck in elevators. And like, oh, you know, you should meet a psychiatrist and talk about, uh, you know, claustrophobia and stuff like that. Like, no, I think it's a pretty reasonable fear not to want to be trapped in a fucking steel box. You know what I mean? Like, isn't that a reasonable fear? Like, do you really need to talk to somebody about that? You know, it's not like you have to work out your fear of like, oh, I'm kind of afraid of being like eaten by lions. And it's just like, oh, well, you should go to the zoo sometime and, and go up and pet one. It's just like, no, I think it's okay to be afraid of lions. You know, I think that's okay. That's a reasonable thing. That's in our DNA. It's like, you know, stay away. That thing might uh, bite your head off and you should uh, take care. All right. So this idea that like there's a word for, you know, some people, (laughs) you know, they're afraid to pee in a moving vehicle. It's like, well, sure. I mean, isn't that a weird thing to do? And I hope they mean in the toilet on a bus, because otherwise you're talking about, like, people who are afraid to, what, like, pee in a jar while they're driving? I mean, like, you shouldn't want to do that anyways. Unless you're cool. This is the worst show I've ever done. (laughs) What am I even doing? I have no idea. Let's listen to another song. Here's a track. This one's cool. It's by Den Turner. I think I played a track of his, like, last week or maybe the week before. Anyway, this track is called Through the Windshield by Den Turner.
And that was Den Turner with the track Through the Windshield. That's a cool one. Hey, man, you know, Beyond Synth has a Patreon. If you don't know what Patreon is, that's a way you can donate to Beyond Synth. It's a monthly donation thing. You can give as little as a dollar a month, or you can donate higher amounts for terrible prizes. They're not really prizes. I think they're called rewards, but they're terrible rewards, too. Anyway, the bottom line is, if you enjoy the show, uh, you can support the show. And uh, we got some goals we want to reach, and it'd be cool if we did. Anyway, let's go to the Patreon. I want to thank my lovely $1 Pattersons. These are all the people that donate a buck to Beyond Synth, and I appreciate your support. Every amount helps, you know? So if you, you, know, if you want to give a buck a month, that's perfect for me. And uh, we got to reach some of those goals, man, and make this show even bigger and better. So I want to thank Lunar Baboon and Knox Bello, Terrence Thompson, Nathan Winter, Russ Nice, Data Suck, Seach, or is it Data Suck? Some people say Data, some people say Data, and it depends, because in certain contexts, it sounds weird, and other times it doesn't. Like, if I just say, like, we've got to wipe the data, we got to wipe the data off this hard drive, I'd say Data. But for some reason, when I see the word Data Suck, I want to say Data Suck. Anyway, Data Suck. How about that? Thanks to Seach. Thanks to the Fear Merchant. Uh, Simon Norberg. Kanaz. Argen1981. Lucas Ceballos. Zikarax, I90RR, Python Blue, Eric Valerio. Oh, and here's one. So this is a guy I've been calling Tomas this whole time, and he uh, he changed his donation here to a. Uh, I like that now. I think all these people are changing their donations to weird amounts because I keep mentioning it on the show. You know, because obviously it's like you can donate a dollar, you can do five, ten, but some people choose to do uh, interesting amounts, and so I, I'm getting three dollars and fourteen cents from Tomas, but that's not how you say his name because it's Czech. And so I typed his name because I was saying uh, Tomas Bubinsik, uh, but it is actually Tomas Bubinicek. Tomas Bubinicek. Tomas Bubinicek. All right, there you go. That's my the best way I think I can pronounce that name because it is Czech and I do not know how to pronounce those words and so when I saw it I was like it's Tomas but it is actually a Tomas Bubinicek thanks buddy and now here are my lovely five dollar Pattersons there's X-Riz Music Joe and Lando Florence Bullock Roman Philip Huberger Devious Raven Bobby B Joe John Eternal, Will Lowe, Dougie Fresh, Lame Robot Mitchell Carswell, Mono Memory. Wait, that's new? Oh, there's two new ones here. All right, thanks, dude. Mono Memory, thank you for being a $5 Patterson. Uh, wait, is that new or did I read that last week? <laughs> I need a secretary. 
Uh, this one's new, Replicant 81. That's new for sure. Thanks, Replicant 81. I appreciate it. It means a lot to me. And Girls with Tails, uh, with their lovely donation of 567. And of course, Hellroy 666, the donation of the beast. And then my lovely $10 Pattersons. There's Jake Last, Trevor Resnick, Colin Bennett, and new $10 Pattersons. We got two new ones this week. That's uh, exciting stuff. There's Jacob Wick. Thanks, Jacob Wick. You're a cool guy. As you know, people who donate uh, 10 bucks to the show, I will do a very special personalized uh, shout out to them if you donate at that level for a little while. And, uh, and I've made a few videos and I have to make a few more in the coming months. And another new $10 Patterson is Fraser Davidson. Fraser Davidson, you are a cool guy. And thanks a lot for donating to Beyond Synth. Uh, I appreciate it. You know, you guys are all really cool. And uh, I thank you for your support. And, uh, you know, if we can reach those goals, get a few more people involved, uh, we get to make the show even uh, bigger and better. And that's the stuff that I'm uh, looking forward to. But I definitely appreciate everyone's support. Brings a tear to my eye. All right, let's listen to another song. This is Mahoney and the track Indigo.
And that was Indigo by Mahoney. And you are listening to Beyond Synth. I guess that's the difference with podcasts as opposed to radio, because there's no need to come back from a song and then reintroduce people to the concept of the program, because there's no way you'd be listening to it that way. I mean, that's not true. We do broadcast the show Thursday nights on uh, Power 85, although this week we're playing it on a different night. Ooh, because I did not get the edit done in time, and I, uh, I didn't want to go a week without... Uh, making a show this week because I think we took a break like a month ago for a week. So I'm trying to take as few breaks as possible. So we're just going to play this episode on a different night. It's exciting stuff. While Project Friday is on hiatus, I'll steal the time slot because uh, why not? The bottom line is Beyond Synth is a, you know, synthwave show, man. I listen to synthwave music. I try and find new and fun uh, tracks for you guys to listen to. And I interview artists and producers who make the music that is awesome. And today, if you haven't uh, listened to Empathy Test, do yourself a favor and listen to Empathy Test because it's all very good music and uh, you will like it it or die. I was reading an interesting article on autonomous cars, because you know, uh, in the future, we're going to have cars that drive themselves. There's an interesting dilemma, and that dilemma is who does your car save in the case that it anticipates an accident? Now, obviously, if all the cars are self-driving cars on the roads, there wouldn't be a problem, because they would all just be driving and obeying the rules. But the question is, you know, right now, there's a lot of variables on the street, and some old lady could just run and jump in front of your car. And the question that, you know, the car makers are working on right now is what does the car do? Because if you have a self-driving car, it's going to have some protocols in place to prevent, you know, casualties and stuff. But the idea is, what is the priority for the car? Protecting the driver or making sure that there isn't, like, a large loss of life? So, for example, if there was, like, a school of kids walking across the street and and your car is driving at them and then anticipates and then has to swerve off the road. The question is, what does the car do? I mean, even though it's your car and you paid money for it and you're driving it, should your car save your life because it's your car or should your car priority be not to run over the kids? And it's an interesting idea because obviously, I mean, there seems like there's a right and wrong answer, but both sides are a little weird. I mean, it's your car. So you think your car should protect you. I mean, that's the idea. But at the same time, your car shouldn't also like run over an old lady to protect you. And then the car could be doing a bunch of maybe math inside where, you know, it's calculating like, well, if I swerve off the road and smash into this barrier, there's a likelihood that the human passenger, because he's a young guy, might survive. Whereas if I went completely straight and ran over that old lady, she's surely dead. But then the robot might also say, yeah, that old lady looks pretty old. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Your, your car is driving going like, she's had a good run, and then just keep going. <laughs> is this a morbid topic? It's interesting, you know, once we get more um, into the AI and, you know, uh, computer stuff controlling aspects of our lives, you know, sooner or later, these questions are going to have to be answered. There's going to have to be, like, definitive answers. What does a car do? Is the car's job to protect your life or protect the maximum amount of life? Right? It's interesting stuff. I think I read an article. Was it BMW? It was one of the car manufacturers who who made the decision that your car should protect you, which is, I mean, they made a choice, you know, and that's interesting. But, I mean, that's the thing, too. I mean, if you spend, like, hundreds of dollars on this car and your car kills you, that's kind of shitty, too. Right? I don't know. What am I doing? This is not what kind of show this is. Let's listen to a song. <laughs> I think I just forgot what Beyond Synth was. Here's a track by North Exit. It's called Secure... Nope. (laughs) Try this again. This is a track by North Exit, and it is called Circuit Security. 
was Circuit Security by North Exit. That's a cool song. You are listening to Beyond Synth. And my name is Andy Last. I host it. All right? We listen to lots of cool tracks 
on this show. And we talked to lots of cool people. And we're going to have a bunch of fun episodes before Christmas and then hopefully have a fun Christmas special, although I haven't recorded it yet or even planned it. So hopefully it's good. <laughs> I have no idea if it's going to be good or not. I hope it is. And then I probably will take a break over the Christmas holidays. Uh, and then that should give me some time to record some new interviews. So that should be good because I'm uh, fresh out. Normally I have a buffer. I think I talked about this last week. Normally I have a few months of interviews planned, but this time I don't. And I'm literally recording them like the week that they're getting put out. And uh, I don't like to work this way. So I need a holiday and I will take one at Christmas. Anyway, how about we go to my conversation with Empathy Test now? And I hope you guys have a lovely day or night or whatever. Uh, I guess it's night. Might be nighttime when you're listening to this on Power 85. Or it might be any other time of day if you're listening to this on your iPod or on your computer. I don't know. I think the majority of people just stream it from SoundCloud. I don't know if you guys do that on your phones. I'm like an old man who doesn't understand anything. Anyways, look, here's my conversation with Empathy Test. I'd enjoy it. So I am here with uh, Empathy Test's Isaac Howlett. Is that how you say that? It is, yeah. Hi. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> uh, yeah, great. Yeah, great to be here, virtually. So we should uh, explain here. So Empathy Test is two people, but I'm just speaking with you today. That's right, yeah. Yeah, we're a, a duo. Um, myself and Adam Ralph make all the music. Um, I do vocals and Adam does the production. And then we have a couple of guys who join us on stage stage christina on drums and jacob on keyboards and so the uh the actual stage performance part of it then like they're just there for the live show yeah yeah they've recently come on board uh, a couple of months back and they came on tour with me um we went on tour with mesh uh in europe the two weeks unfortunately adam couldn't come um as he is a very busy man and um other stuff that had to be done so uh yeah i just went with jacob and christina i like the way you were that it's like he's an assassin or something (laughs) (laughs) well he has some other music projects and he is also full-time illustrator as well so he had some deadlines that he had to do so talk to me then about sort of the genesis of of empathy test then well we're coming up to end of our third year now i just kind of started by accident really Um, myself and adam have been friends since we were kids and we tried making music together in the past with sort of varying degrees of success. Yeah, I think we just, um, we, we were talking about the movie Drive and how great the soundtrack to that was. And uh, Adam just basically said, hey, we could make a track like that easy. So... Um, <laughs> So we, we did, and we, we made, that day we made Losing Touch, which is um, still our biggest track. And um, we made three more tracks after that over the course of about a year, quite leisurely. Um, and then once they were done, we just thought, hey, let's put them on the internet and see uh, what people think. So we self-released the first EP. And then, um, yeah, it's just kind of grown from there. Losing Touch has now had sort of 250,000 plays on Spotify. 
yeah it was a bit of a shock really how well that's done that's sort of a common story with uh you know when i talk to a lot of people who make this sort of retro 80s music that the movie drive yeah was this thing which is really interesting because although aesthetically it has these like 80s sort of influences yeah you know the soundtrack itself isn't necessarily 80s as, as apart from no. you know there's the the college song and then there's the kavinsky track they play at the beginning yeah but it's yeah. so it's interesting to me how that vibe almost uh single-handedly like created the synth wave mm. scene as it is now but what is it about those sounds that excited you you guys both like well we're both really into sci-fi movies particularly you know the the sort of golden age of sci-fi cinema was in the 80s and um the soundtracks to those films of course featured analog synth sounds and i think it just you know drive was a reminder you know how much we we loved those soundtracks particularly for adam who his sort of production style is is very much influenced by those composers um sorry i'm just completely rambling (laughs) 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 boring myself um but essentially essentially you know the music he makes is very cinematic and drive kind of served as a reminder of um you know how much we love those sounds and it just served as a really uh, useful style to combine our personal styles so i write quite emotional pop kind of songs and then uh, Adam was making dance music and we never sort of quite managed to put those things together in a way that worked but this kind of synth wave style allows you to make things very emotional but without them ending up being cheesy or twee you know right, right. analog synth sounds kind of give it this this darkness and atmosphere that you, you can't really get using anything else well how about this how about we listen to this track now because it is a really cool song and then we'll uh we'll talk a bit more about it and stuff but this is uh losing touch by empathy test Don't call 
And that was Losing Touch by Empathy Test. And I'm here with the singer, songwriter of Empathy Test, Isaac. So that was the song then you just like, once you guys got inspired, then you just did this track. Now, did you put it up just that single track just to see what the reaction was before you wrote the other three songs? Or did you just do them all for that first EP? Yeah, we did them all. So we didn't have any kind of plan to, you know, release it and become a band or anything but we just tried some more tracks and just kind of let the project evolve by itself and then once we had four we thought let's release an EP and we just put um, Losing Touch on SoundCloud and I uh, did a bit of social media promotion and uh, yeah it did really well got picked up by a few websites and internet radio stations and then we released uh, the second track Kira Lee and then after that we put the whole thing up on iTunes and Spotify and everything it's just kind of grown from there. You were saying before then, I mean, like, because you've been buddies with Adam for a while? Uh, yeah. So what were you guys doing musically? Because you, you mentioned like he was sort of like doing like electronic dance music and stuff. So what were your sort of musical paths specifically before you guys like combined on, on this project? So Adam was making uh, breakbeat music. So quite sort of heavy, um, aggressive dance music, but always with this kind of darkness and depth to it. And I was kind of writing... Um, acoustic music basically so um, I, I was writing on a, an acoustic guitar which I still do I think that sort of helps make sure that the the tracks stand alone and they're not just a dance track with a with a vocal on it so yeah it took a, you know marrying guitars and beats is is always quite a tricky thing um, and so nothing really worked until we dropped the guitars completely and, and tried synths instead like that's still the process though like you play on guitar first and then you sort of like convert the music to synth yeah essentially I'll play Adam the track on the guitar um, or just do a uh, rough recording of it and send it to him and then he'll transpose what I'm playing into uh, a bass line and uh, some melodies and then he basically layers it up from there adds in his own melodies beats and then once he's got the track down then then we'll record the vocals so how, how does the process of uh, like forming the song work then do you uh, like you sit and write at home first and then you know bring it to him and then he sort of like beefs it up or is he working on tracks that you come and then sing on top of and um, how does that work uh yeah it kind of works both ways essentially i've built up a catalog of tracks and i've got lots of rough recordings that i've done at home which i'll then put in a folder on dropbox if he's working on on something he can dip into and maybe pull out a vocal that he likes that i've already recorded and sometimes he'll even retune it to fit with what he's done and then I relearn it and you know maybe uh, write some more vocals so um, yeah it works both ways and then other times like um, obviously with Losing Touch a track that I had already written and it stayed pretty true to what I'd already done so yeah it kind of works both ways Lyrically then do you have like poetry that you've already sort of written that you sort of do to music or did the music come first and then the lyrics arrive? Kind of at the same time really I just start playing some chords on the guitar and start singing whatever comes into my head and they basically develop at the same time and that seems to work best for me really I find it harder to um, write lyrics over someone else's music or someone's chords because they might not necessarily be 
codes I normally use. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have like folders of stuff, obviously, like before empathy tests where you just like recorded stuff? Yeah. yeah. Is there like, is there another thing that exists? Like, is there another band or another uh, artist name or something? No, no. I, everything's been destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did have a, a solo EP um, on iTunes, which I took down when we started doing empathy tests because there was already a version of um, Last Night on Earth on that EP. I'm sure these recordings will appear somehow on the internet at some point. <laughs> but um, I didn't want people to find those different versions and, and it sort of undermine what we'd done in empathy test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted the people to hear the empathy test versions and, you know, then be the sort of true recording of the track, if you see what I mean. Speaking of... Uh of last night on earth let's uh, listen to it oh excellent although now are we going to refer to this as the definitive version yes the- <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day i'll um uh, empathy test will do an acoustic version of this track and and we'll hear what perhaps it used to sound like but for now <laughs> yes this is the definitive version all right this is last night on earth by empathy test
And that was Last Night on Earth by Empathy Test, and I'm here with Isaac Howlett from Empathy Test, singer, songwriter, extraordinaire, man. <laughs> so that's a cool song. Thank you. We talked about it before. You have sort of this live, uh, you know, this this band that joins you when you do your live shows. Talk a bit about the uh, the live shows you guys have been doing. It's been pretty amazing. Um, so we were invited to tour with Mesh, who are a fellow UK synth pop group, also a duo who have been around for a long time now but I must confess I, I hadn't heard of them before we were asked to tour with them because like a, a lot of electronic music acts they are much more popular in continental Europe and particularly Germany so we did a, a very grueling schedule actually I think we did something like 15 shows in 16 days oh wow something there were 15 people all crammed onto this tour bus which we slept on and traveled in for the whole tour mm-hmm. yeah it was really a, a dream come true for me waking up in a different city every day and playing to between 200 and 800 people every night uh, the biggest show being in Dresden in Germany where we played to 800 people I think it was sold out show uh, the second biggest audience that we've played to so far so yeah it was it was absolutely amazing and we learned a hell of a lot like for the first one being you can't get drunk for more than a week straight (laughs) because you'll die um so yeah we narrowly avoided dying (laughs) as a as a side note yeah why do germans love electronic music so much has that ever been explained (laughs) i don't know it's a cliche to to talk about like germans with techno music but like it's never been explained to me as to what what the origin of that is yeah well have you met many germans <laughs> well, I think I've had a few on this show, but I never asked that question specifically. It, it really suits the German personality, I think, electronic music. I, they, I don't know. They they kind of invented it, didn't they? Um, Kraftwerk were sort of the pioneers of electronic music. So I guess it's close to their hearts in that respect. But yeah, they seem to like the, the darkness of it and the, the atmosphere. This is like a, this is a mystery I'm going to have to get to the bottom of. Yeah, I'm not really helping am I <laughs> I just like asking people questions that they can't possibly field I think it's awesome yeah it's like... uh, yeah no it's a good technique yeah <laughs> <laughs> So you bring along uh, some other people there. You mentioned your uh, your drummer, I think Christina, you said, and you got a keyboard yeah, player, yeah. Uh, Jacob. Is that the dude? Yeah, that's right. So where do they where do they come from? Are they friends, or did you like yeah. meet this specifically to make a band or uh, Gumtree? Do you have Gumtree in Canada or Craigslist? Maybe you have. Yeah, we have Craigslist. One of my sponsors on this show is this thing called Down to Jam, and I do a spot for them every show. And it's sort of like a small company that's starting like. A, a social networking for musicians. Right. It's kind of like a Facebook, except it's like, yeah. you know, you you message people in your area to, if you need a drummer or something like that. Anyways, the point is that this is how you met these people? Yeah, yeah. So we, we had a, a drummer before, and when the tour was coming up, um, he had to be a best man at a wedding mm. um, for the first weekend of the tour, which would have meant that we would have had to fly him out to Germany. When we were sort of discussing this, he basically said like, that he thought 
thought that we should get someone um, more committed. <laughs> so it was a good point for him to say, you know, that he'd enjoyed playing with us for, I don't know, six months or something, maybe a bit longer. But, um, you know, his heart wasn't really in it. So I said to Adam, we we're going to have to find a new drummer for this tour. Um, at which point Adam said, oh, yeah, I'm not sure I can do the tour either. <laughs> <laughs> so with two months to go before the tour um, it looked like I was going to be going on my own so yeah I had to quickly find someone to take over Adam's job and also the drums as well Right. but it worked out really well because um, both of them are both Jacob and Christina are extremely talented musicians and very enthusiastic as well <laughs> which is great so yeah despite only having known them for about a month or something before the tour they learned eight tracks and um, turned out to be um, uh, really nice people which is lucky because I had to spend a lot of time with them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well let's uh, let's move forward in time here mm-hmm. all right so uh, we're, we're moving to the throwing stones EP cool. which is a really really fucking awesome EP it's like just four <laughs> solid songs they're all really good yeah that's the first one I heard actually was uh, and I don't even know why I stumbled upon it I have one of those Twitter accounts that just like bulk follows you know like right. tons yeah. of people who have like synth wave or synth pop you know in their bio or whatever mm-hmm. and uh, it's always a nice surprise because I mean with so many people there's a lot of junk and then if I stumble upon something really cool I'm like holy shit and like when I discovered you guys I was like oh wow like this is really good like I was I really dug it so let's let's listen to a track from that now great this is the titular throwing stones track from the throwing stones EP this is throwing stones by empathy test. Oh, 
And that was Throwing Stones by Empathy Test. And I'm here with Empathy Test right now. Isaac Howlett. So even though I know it's about a year between, you know, from the first EP to this one, or maybe even less, I noticed a jump in just quality Mm -hmm. production wise and uh, and everything. So was that, you know, just deliberate? Yeah, (laughs) because I really noticed like it like it. I mean, like the the first EP is good, but the second one, definitely. I was just like, okay, like things have been uh, have been beefed up here. Yeah, I mean, I guess there was a, a small gap, but not a huge gap. I think it's more to do with us knowing that people were actually going to be listening. So with the first EP, perhaps we didn't push it as as hard as as we could in terms of the production. Maybe just making the first EP taught us a few things. Essentially, it was just knowing that that people were actually going to listen to it because we signed a deal with Stars and Letters Records, which is a small independent electronic label in New York. And so we, for one thing, had to give them something good enough that they wanted to release it. And two, you know, once it was released, it was going to get listened to by quite a lot more people than we'd first uh, imagined. So, yeah, and I think also just the choice of songs that were on there as well just really worked. Of course, there was uh, Here Is The Place was on there, which ended up on MTV, Catfish, which um, just came out of nowhere through, well, through the record label, obviously, but we couldn't believe that. And um, I think even the guy from the record label, Mark, um, was blown away when he heard the second EP and and was like, you know, you guys have like already um, evolved so much since the the first EP. Did you uh, like upgrade any of your gear between the the two or was it just more of an attention to detail or i mean to be honest this is more adam's um field 
um, him being the producer. I honestly don't know. <laughs> so as far as you're concerned, then your process was the same? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark from Stars and Letters was saying that, you know, the songwriting was seemed much more mature as well than the lyrics and everything. But I think it's just, you know, different songs and, and different levels of emotion going into it. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I, I think Adam, yeah, he works very hard at the, the production. And so him knowing that this was going to, you know, get heard, that he, he will have spent a lot of time perfecting those tracks. So then when you did your live show and he wasn't there, was he involved with getting the band like up to speed with what they needed to do? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Actually, uh, with the live show now, um, the things that Jacob um, is playing are extra. He's playing stuff that's not on the tracks. And so Adam wrote new parts for him to play. And, you know, he was there downloading the samples onto the SPD and, and whatever. So, yeah, he's he's always playing an active part, whether or not he's on stage. He finds it easier to do the sort of one-off weekend shows, whereas the tour generally turns out to be too much time. He needs to um, do his other projects as well. So You need to hire somebody to go on stage and wear, like, an Adam mask. Yeah, well, I guess we could have just got uh, Jacob to wear a, a hood or something. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we haven't had anyone sort of complain that he's, he's not there. <laughs> so I think um, with electronic bands, it doesn't seem to sort of matter as much, um, you know, as long as the voice is the same. <laughs> but yeah, the, I think that the live show will evolve as we go on and we'll add more things in and we'll have musicians who are there some shows and not there at other shows. So we, we can sort of play um, in different formats. Like, do you think, you know, if the popularity of, of the group like increases to a point, like it would become more of a priority or does Adam actually like enjoy not having to, to go uh <laughs> I was hoping so. Let's put words in his mouth. I mean, like, he's not yeah, here, so I you mean, can say whatever you want, and do that'll pass as his opinion. <laughs> I don't know. I think he, he likes working on lots of different projects at the same time, and I don't think that that's ever going to change, no matter how popular Empathy Test gets. Um, which can be frustrating for me at times. You know, for example, right now, he is still working on the same deadline that he was supposed to finish um, while, while we were on tour. Um, and it would be really great if we could put another single out before Christmas um, and sort of ride the wave, you know, that we've picked up. But maybe uh, we're going to run out of time. So <laughs> just download some Christmas karaoke song and sing over top of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, how about this? We're going to listen to another track here in a second now this here is the place yeah is is my favorite now this is a fucking good song <laughs> thanks uh i wasn't aware of how its context was used in catfish or whatever right but uh this is a, this is a really good one so uh we're gonna listen to that right now this is here is the place by empathy test Oh 
That was Here Is The Place by Empathy Test, and I'm here with Empathy Test's Isaac Howlett. I just like saying that name. <laughs> so uh, talk to me about this track. This is a uh, gold star. <laughs> you get a gold star for this track. <laughs> uh, well, what would you like to know? <laughs> Let's just, uh, we'll run through the story here. So you were born, when were you born? And then we'll trace it all towards <laughs> leading up to this track. So are you, are you an 80s kid? or are you? Yeah, yeah, 80s kid, yeah. What was your favorite cartoon? Did you watch cartoons? Yeah, I remember really like Count Duckula. <laughs> Count Duckula. Yeah, it sounds from. Do I know Count? I must know Count Duckula. Yeah, I think it was by the same people that did Danger Mouse, which I also liked. Hold on here. Am I just saying cartoons that never left the UK? <laughs> Hold on here. I'm going to see if I can find a picture of Count Duckula. Okay. Count Ducky. Oh, so he's got kind of like a like a black part in his hair, and he's got a cape. Yeah, he's he's duck. <laughs> he's, yeah. <laughs> it's basically like a, a vampire Donald Duck. That's so weird. I don't think I ever saw Count Duckula. Oh, okay. Did you see Danger Mouse? Danger Mouse, I did see. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what uh, what year these ones are. Count Duckula. <laughs> Anyway, I think we've got sidetracked. <laughs> no, no, I want to know more about Count Duckula. I want to see how Count Duckula relates to Here's the Place. We have to trace a line from that to this. Can you do that? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather talk about why Germans like techno music? <laughs> no, let's not go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so tell me, like, what's uh, what's the song about, man? Like, what inspired the lyrically or whatever? Well, it's going to sound very morbid, but I guess it's like deciding where you'd like to be buried <laughs> when you die. Or at least feeling so at home in a certain place that you think, oh, yeah, I'd like to be buried here. So were you just having a good week and then this this popped into your head? <laughs> <or what? laughs> I, I can't honestly remember because um, I had a, a fragment with this song that was just hanging around for ages and ages and I just one day played it to Adam and he was like that's really good you've got to finish that so um, I kind of fleshed it out and we, we made the track from there but there was a very poignant moment where it was almost finished and Adam said very tentatively I don't know how you feel about this but I think we need to change the lyrics <laughs> and I was like what do you mean and he was like well this is feels to me like a really big track it's got a really big chorus and you're singing about being buried <laughs> and I think he was scared of what the reaction might be right and it might bomb just because it was too too dark too weird a pop song right but I said no <laughs> you know this that is the song and it has to stay that way I kind of I think correctly predicted that it would you know change it from being just like a good pop song to being like a really good one because it's so different um, and when we released it um, it made my stepdad cry <laughs> it is like an emotional track like when I listen to it because yeah. I do visual stuff and I'm I, I, I work on videos and stuff like that and it's tracks like these that when I listen to it and it just I totally see in terms of like a like a movie or TV show or something like mm. how it could be used very well yeah. to evoke that emotion because it, it does in me like when I listen to it I'm like oh wow that really is like a, an emotional track and as an aside Count Ducula is a British animated comedy drama from 1988 to 93. So it was British. There you go. Thames Television. Definitely worth checking out. So maybe that's <laughs> yeah. why. Like, Although it sounds familiar, I'm like, yeah. Cause, see, I'm in Canada, so we did get some British shows. Like When I was a kid, I used to watch uh, Naughty in Toyland. And oh, fucking, yeah. uh, what was the other one? There was like these weird trippy cartoons. There was this one I used to watch called Flower Stories. I don't know that one, though. Because we would get imports years later. It's not like today when everything's so immediate. So like in the early 80s, I'd be watching watching a cartoon that was made probably in like night like naughty was like 1975 or something like the british um for they, they had a lot of stop frame animation shows yeah like the magic roundabout was yes awesome. yeah stuff like that they all have this similar sort of look like they were made in like the 70s and uh and then what paddington bear and some other things because i used to watch a lot of doctor who and it was like uh a few years right. later than they were airing in, in England or whatever. Yeah. So the bottom line is this. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the Wikipedia now. It says Count Ducula should not be confused with the short-lived 1979 Quackula, <laughs> which was produced by a different company. So you can <laughs> do what you will with that information. Right. So they, it had already been done. <laughs> It was, just, it was just such a good pun opportunity, like no animation company could let it, uh, just let it go. Yeah. So when uh, when Adam suggested that you change the lyrics, did he come up with any, like, suggestions? <laughs> no. no, 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 He He would have left that to me, but I don't think you can do that to a song. I think once, um, once it's done, it's done. And if I was to have changed that to something else, it would have been banal. And you, you would have been able to tell that that wasn't what it was supposed to have been. What if you, what if you substituted the word die for dine? 
and then changed it to be about about eating. Like this is the place where I dine. Yeah, it could change the whole song into a song about choosing where you're going to eat yeah. this evening. <laughs> I want you to dine me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that'd work. Why not? <laughs> well, you made the right decision, right? That's uh, yeah. That's the bottom line. Maybe we could like do a sort of cover of our own song for Uber Eats or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just sell out completely. You got to get money somehow. You know, like with these bands. Yeah, I know. I know. You, they, especially uh, when you're going on these tours and stuff, that uh, there's not like a huge amount of money in it. No. So I mean, uh, at this point, <laughs> my point is this: at this point, it's not really selling out. No, these days people don't mind. Do they? If you sold your track to a Coca-Cola back in the day, then you'd be an awful person. Now you just got half a brain. Well, yeah, like I just, I, w- I, I wouldn't look poorly on anyone, especially like the people I have on the show and stuff. We're all like, you know, they're not like big time people. Even the ones that are the most popular, like maybe they can like make, you know, like a small living on their music, but they still have to do a lot of touring and merch selling and a lot of the stuff they're doing themselves. And so when yeah. I find out if they've like have shows on, I mean, right now I think there's a show on HBO called Vice Principles that seems to be using lot of like synthwave uh, music and its soundtrack and stuff so whenever I have buddies right. who like get tracks on that show it's like fucking awesome mind you that's different because it's HBO TV so like that's a cool thing to get your songs on an HBO maybe it's not as cool if it's a fucking yogurt commercial or something but <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, but I, I'm. Yeah, I'll just say at this point that we're totally open to. Did you say yoga or you, yogurt? I said yogurt. Adverse. Well, I know in, in England yogurt. you say yogurt, don't you? Don't yogurt. You? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I know, man. So we're <laughs> we're open to yogurt or yogurt adverts. Yeah. <laughs> Well, speaking of um, yogurt, nope. I don't. I I, I have no. <laughs> I have no good segue for this. Uh, but we're nah. gonna uh, listen to another track here. Cool. From uh, Throwing Stones, lots of good songs on this one. Pretty much just play the whole damn thing. But this is a uh, this is a track called Holding On, which uh, is also really good. And uh, here it is. This is Holding On by Empathy Test.
And that was Holding On by Empathy Test. And I'm here with Isaac Howlett of Empathy Test right now. We just got done talking about yogurt and Count Ducula, both very important things I imagine you thought you were going to be talking about today. It, it certainly lightened the mood. <laughs> <laughs> well, after all that talk about getting buried, man, we got to... <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> so um, this EP... Uh, you also had like a remix album yeah. that came yeah. out. So how did, was that you or the label that sort of reached out to the artists for that? That was us. Basically, we were buying ourselves some time, which didn't go unnoticed by um, a few fans. <laughs> <laughs> I think someone on YouTube said something like, stop rehashing your old songs and give us what we really want, an album, mm. which is good news. At least they, they wanted an album. But um, yeah. Yeah, so while we were supposedly working on our debut album, we'd already sort of met lots of really talented artists in the electronic scene. And I just thought, let's get some remixes done. And I basically approached a whole load of people and asked them all to do a remix, thinking that half of them wouldn't come back. And then ended up with 10 remixes when, you know, sort of four probably would have been enough and then I felt like I couldn't really say no to any any of them because they, they'd all done the job already so yeah we ended up with this 10 track Throwing Stones remixed when there were only four tracks on, <laughs> on the EP in the first place but yeah it was um, it was really nice to you know have these people reinterpret the tracks and yeah we ended up with some really great tracks out of it I think the most popular ones uh, Aeon Rings version of Throwing Stones they managed to completely transform it from what's quite a, a kind of light summary track for us anyway um, and turn it into this really like ice cold track that sounded like something off the Blade Runner soundtrack it's great what made you pick those artists specifically were they people that you had listened to or yeah um, they were all people that we we sort of met along the way whose music that I liked Figures of 80 is actually one of Adam's other music projects so he was secretly remixing himself <laughs> <laughs> yeah hope for me um, Figures of 80 remixes actually Adam uh, and his friend Ned and uh, yeah then there's like Lushes from Texas who I'd just been listening to and really liked their stuff and uh, it always turns out that um, everyone knows each other somehow as well so yeah um, I've had them on the show before right uh, back when I think I think they may have reconfigured themselves because it was three of them I think it's two now like I think it's okay Michelle and oh I'm gonna say the wrong guy (laughs) <laughs> one, I think one of the one guys. Of the guys. Uh, yeah, one of the yeah. one of the guys left. Oh, but okay. uh, yeah, no, they're they're definitely good. She's got a neat voice. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yep. Uh, and what else can I say? Uh, Mark from Stars and Letters Records um, also makes music under the name We Are Temporary. So he got involved and did a remix of his favorite track from the EP Here Is the Place, um, which is another awesome remix and then Thomas Datt who is a trance DJ who was in New York I think he's just moved to Australia he um, approached us actually asking to do a remix and he did this um, I'm not very good with dance genres a trance remix of um, also here is the place which then ended up on pure trance being re-released as a dub 
Yeah, it was interesting and sort of worked as a kind of networking um, project more than anything and uh, bought us a bit of time. <laughs> but of course, we still we still haven't released this album that we've been talking about for so long. But we do have more than enough material for an album without using any tracks that we've previously released. But I think probably we will. I think people would be very upset if we put out a debut album and it didn't have Losing Touch and Here Is A Place on there at the very least did i uh did i read this correct to say you're doing a tour with nina at some point uh we've got we're doing a sort of synth pop festival in berlin in february okay okay we're both playing at the same event for the first time that's cool she's cool i'm always looking through when i see like uh, names of people i recognize i'm like oh yeah like i've had nina on the show like she's been actually here she was uh, doing a show in toronto oh cool i don't often have guests like in quote-unquote studio yeah uh, we're both on the same booking agent in Europe so that's how that came about so that's just one show or is it sort of like an event kind of thing yeah um, Mesh are also playing um, and Division both of whom we've done shows with and yeah we're all on the same <laughs> booking agent so I guess it's kind of a showcase for um, plus felt promotions that's exciting should be good and um, uh, well, <laughs> it hasn't been announced yet so I can't really say anything but it w- that will be the final show of a tour um, potentially happening in February. Okay, cool. So, yeah. We can start winding this down, but we got to move forward here because, of course, there's another EP that came out. Yeah. The Demons EP, and so we'll <laughs> listen to that track, and then we'll, uh, okay. we'll, we'll talk a bit about that. So this is Demons by Empathy Test.
And that was Demons by Empathy Test. And I'm here uh, with Empathy Test right now. Isaac Howlett. So this is the latest thing as of us recording this. Yeah. You spoke a few times about buying time. Yeah, we, we went a bit crazy. We were just making a load of new tracks and kind of like thinking a lot about what direction we wanted to go in with the music and trying overly hard to push things forward and you know come up with some completely new sound and we kind of shed all the analog synth sounds and tried to go ultra modern <laughs> right. and in the process it just sort of discovered that the tracks had kind of lost the magic that they had before and we kind of scrapped everything and, and you know remixed everything from scratch and sort of rediscovered what what empathy test was about which obviously took a bit of time and then it had been so long since we'd released any music we were kind of feeling the pressure a bit of um what do we do next and how but luckily we had this tour lined up with mesh and so we had to put something out before the tour and we we almost rushed an album them out but i'm kind of glad that we we didn't do that so instead it was like let's release uh, a single let's make it an ep so that we can make um cds and um let's make some vinyl so that we had something to sell on the tour and we chose demons because we played it live a few times and it had gone down really well and people were asking for us to release that track so it was kind of a, a win-win situation you know we, we knew it would go down well um and then we decided to make it a double a side and put out one of the more newer sounding tracks just to see which one would be most popular and it's been interesting <laughs> so when you said that you were sort of discovering or testing out a new sound and then sort of sort of rolling back and figuring things out uh lyrically are, are these songs that like you you'd written lyrics for and stuff and then the production side of it didn't sound right but those same lyrics are going to go into sort of different songs yeah essentially the songs have stayed the same but the the music has you know changed a lot but we kind of overestimated in our heads like how big a difference it was you know to us seeing stars was really different from demons and really different from stuff we'd done before and so we were really worried that it would alienate the fans that we already had um who liked the more synth poppy 80s sounding stuff right and you know we were right demons went down really well and it looked for a moment like you know seeing stars people liked it but you know it, it just wasn't going to be as popular and then some clever guy decided to post it on reddit seeing stars on reddit where it found a whole new audience and is now according to spotify anyway way more popular than demons so it's been a useful experiment <laughs> and i think we're gonna try and do a similar thing with the next single as well we're gonna put out a track that has already been played live that we know the fans are gonna like and then we're gonna pair it with something maybe even more sort of forward thinking in its um style and just see what happens so empathy test is uh, sort of becoming like a science experiment <laughs> yeah well i mean yeah it's just interesting for us to see what tracks end up being more popular so does that fuel you though because it's an interesting thing that you're doing right now i mean you have a drive to say like write music and do this stuff but then there's also this aspect of that you want the music to be pleasing to people or for people to to like what you do yeah definitely if you do the test and you release two songs and a whole bunch of people and even though you 
maybe put in the same amount of work or feel as strongly about the two tracks if you find out that people don't gravitate towards a certain sound are you going to actually like use that information to dictate what you do yeah definitely you know so we have eight tracks still unreleased you know sitting there um, and um i kind of know what tracks are gonna have the most impact but i can be proved wrong and i was with seeing stars so uh, on the throwing stones ep i think the track that gets overlooked a lot is hope for me which is uh, the last track on that ep mm. it's one of our favorite tracks but it's somehow not as hard hitting a pop song as the other ones it's quite relaxed it's not trying too hard to please and that kind of has shown <laughs> that people <laughs> it, it really hasn't done as well as the other ones um, even um, uh, the last track on the first EP, um, Where I Find Myself, it is more popular. So, you know, that's kind of made us think, well, we should, you know, perhaps steer clear of releasing similar tracks in the future and i thought maybe seeing stars would go the same way because it's quite cool and laid back it's you know it's not an in-your-face pop tune yeah but i would say they both i think demons as well does have that sort of like a little bit more relaxed like i'm terrible with music terminology like the tempo or whatever like i find like throwing stones has these songs that have these very sort of like poppy beats and stuff like that yeah and there's sort of like a specific energy to them yeah and i think in terms of with the demons ep that was an arbitrary decision to me like of the two songs yeah so i didn't have this sort of weird polarizing opinion of the two i just said well i'm gonna play one of the tracks i like them both equally and I found them to have sort of a similar kind of um, I don't know if it was the vibe or just like the tempo of it but it did seem a little bit more relaxed overall than the Throwing Stones EP Yeah, and I chose Demons because it's just like it's the EP is called Demons so I'll just choose Demons Right. essentially that was my decision there yeah. but that's that's the way I felt about the thing as a whole I was like okay like they're going for like a slightly different kind of vibe but like musically it was still you know just as good but it was just sort of a different I did notice the, a change yeah because I'm a very observant guy. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> I mean, we've got these two tracks that are that we're really excited to release. We know we've got to ease people into it. So we're we're picking the tracks that we we release in a certain order and certain pairings in order to not throw people in the deep end with any big changes. But then, you know, big changes to us, um, not so big to other people, I guess. It's always going to sound like empathy test. It's always going to sound like me and Adam. <laughs> You're like a master chef, then. You're like trying to prepare the correct appetizers and the right wine that is going to go with the main course. Exactly, yeah. That was a metaphor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> what sort of stupid show did I just agree to be on? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, the next tracks we're going to put out looks like they're going to be a track called Siamese and a track called By My Side, both of which, if you dig around on YouTube, you can find live versions of. Ooh. Ooh. So like, I, got, I, got some, I got some like detective work I can do. Uh, although Siamese has changed quite a bit and we're, I'm slightly worried that there's going to be some 
upset people because there's some big fans of that track out there already mm. you know just from seeing it live or seeing it on YouTube and um, I hope they don't get really pissed off when um, you start singing it in Japanese yeah and the double bass pedal and the power chords well man that's uh, <laughs> that's exciting that's a uh something to look forward to because we'll have to have you back on for a quick assessment of your science experiment yeah, yeah. to see once you once you release these things and it's like how how it went down if it went to do you have a hypothesis are you going in going like i think people are gonna like this song if we pair it with this song and play this one first i can't tell with this one by my side i'm kind of happy that it's going out as we can pretend it's just a b-side if it flops <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'll stop saying double A side if people know. I think it's a good song, but I'm, again, I'm worried it's going to go down the same route as um, Hope For Me. But I was proven wrong with Seeing Stars, so hopefully, fingers crossed, I'll be proven wrong with By My Side as well. Well, I'm sure it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually probably it probably is really good. It's, <laughs> it's being sincere is a thing that just doesn't sound right coming out of my voice. <laughs> Whenever I say things like that, it's just like no, that didn't sound right. I have the same problem. <laughs> cool, man. Well, it was uh, it was nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, man, for sure. And you have a lovely uh, British day and evening. It's nighttime now, right? Yeah, yeah. We just had fall. Uh, I don't like to date the shows when I record them because they usually don't go out for a few weeks. But uh, right. we, we just did our... Uh, uh, but Merry Christmas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just in case. We just did daylight savings time. So I'm so, I'm like, uh, yeah. you know, there's the time difference. And then there's the fact that I don't even think my clock is correct right now. The one I'm looking at. And then now with the damn computers and stuff, they always, like, change the clock for you, mm. which sometimes confuses me even more because I'm <laughs> very easily confused guy. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, it was good talking to you, and uh, and people should go check out Empathy Test because the music is awesome. Thank you very much. In the heart of Transylvania, in the Vampire Hall of Fame, yeah, there's not a And that was Empathy Test, my conversation with Empathy Test, and of course, Wicked Music, and uh, we had a fun time, although that was not Empathy Test, just doing the uh, Duckula theme song. It's funny, because I was watching these clips from Duckula, because it's this British cartoon, and I always loved whenever British people do American accents, it reminds me of the video game Conker's Bad Fur Day, which is still one of my favorite games of all time, and uh, of course, like, all the voice actors were just British people doing, like, American voices, and you could always tell because there's always those certain words that they would pronounce. I remember, like, they would say squirrel instead of squirrel, you know, like the animal. And so they would be trying, you know, to do these accents that weren't British, but then every time someone would mention squirrel, be like, squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> uh, that's not a good story. Anyways, guys, listen, thanks for listening to the show. Tune in next time. Hope you guys have a lovely day. Let's end on a track today. How about that? Uh, here's a cool song. This is by Ocillion. So this track is called Escape from Beijing, the main theme by Ocillion. And I'll uh, talk to you guys next time on Beyond Synth. <laughs>